Yes, 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 yes. One, two, one, two. It is with great honor and a pleasure. Av, thank you for joining me here at the Rolling Cafetero Podcast. Yes. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, man. Oh, man. How, how's Bernardo say it? It is an honor. The honor is mine. <laughs> <laughs> A huge honor for me. It is a huge honor for me to have it. Oh, man, this is awesome. This is awesome. We just had a wonderful class here. Thank you. Oh, man. Um, we had like a packed, crowded house here, right? Yeah, man. You know, uh, jiu-jitsu is fun with a lot of people. And uh, today was a packed class. Mats were full. So much fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's start from the beginning. Let's start with discussing... How did you discover jiu-jitsu? I'm curious to know. All right. Uh, 1993, UFC won. It was the UFC? UFC. Wow. I was okay. about 17. Yes. Close to 18 and uh, in high school. Already had been trained in Taekwondo and uh, put a few years in there and saw Hoist Gracie destroy everybody. But it wasn't until I was 30 when I actually had the Ability financially and, and possibly maturity to start training. Mm. Now you were always um, into martial arts, right? You always use. I've been telling you have a black belt in taekwondo. Yeah, I have a third degree black belt in taekwondo and a first degree black belt in jiu-jitsu. Nice, nice, nice. And when did you really start taking jiu-jitsu seriously? You said when you were thirty. Yeah, I, I started at thirty say at about blue belt maybe a couple stripes in is when I really started to want to teach and I was running a couple classes every so often when my professor Mike uh, couldn't make it and I was in the afternoons so once in a while uh, I'd be able to teach and then I started teaching kids and that's kind of where it, that passion took off yeah yeah that's awesome and the rest is history yeah, no, I'm so happy I found this sport and, well, this lifestyle practically. Yeah, man, uh, you started, uh, <laughs> what was your reason for starting? I know already, but. I mean, I started, um, actually I had a podcast, yes, I had a podcast. I'm launching yours first, but I had a podcast with Sean yesterday. Oh, cool. Yeah, Sean who, who trains with us, and I actually explained to him, yeah, it was, like I told you before, it was um, Anthony Bourdain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain on the Charlie Rose Show. Explaining how he just came back from jiu-jitsu class and he started at age 57 and and I was looking for something to try, something that was difficult intentionally, <laughs> something challenging. Yeah. And and before I came to your to your um, to your school, I tried another school and gave me a little bit of a cold shoulder and I was just like, which was it's like all right. And then I saw your school and it was a little intimidating, like I told you at first, because you had you were diesel training grounds and the D had like a barbell logo to it. It was just like, <laughs> damn, diesel training <laughs> these guys seems like hardcore. But then when I walked in, you you know, smile, hey, what do I call you? Instructor, sensei, you like, just call me Javi. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. was like, Okay. And the rest is history, man. And this has been, I've been able to apply this on everything in my life, and thank you. And you've uh, been, you know, leading leading the charge, man, and that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, you know, as long as we can positively influence people, mm -hmm. that's really my major goal. The, the vehicle is jujitsu, but 
to bring positivity to someone's life is far more important than you know the the daily grind or the you know the choice the, the chokes joint locks things like that yes it's all about the community and upliftment and things like that too many crazy things in the world so yeah being a source of something good is is really my mission no and it's, it's doing it i remember the other day we had a actually when we were when we have matt chat here and someone brought up um I don't know if it was Rick or someone said, hey, if, if a Saudi king or prince walked in here and he had $100 million, but you couldn't do jiu-jitsu anymore, would you accept the offer? And he said, no. <laughs> can't put a price tag on uh, the relationships won and lost. Uh, can't put a price tag on the memories, the experiences, the tournaments, the, you know, everything... $100 million, $100 billion doesn't really make a difference because it doesn't make you happy. You know, you'll always be looking for something uh, more. And the one thing that I can say about jiu-jitsu is it's brought a lot of really good things to my life that I otherwise wouldn't have. So mm. I wouldn't trade it up at no. all. No, right? Nope. The experiences, the people, the people I've met here are pretty fucking cool. They are. Yeah. They are. Uh have such nuanced people here it's not your typical person that that comes and looks for to do this the sport i don't what do you think mm. i know I, I know you believe everyone is capable of doing this right absolutely absolutely um you know there's there's a thing that you know jujitsu is for everybody uh, but not everybody decides to stay and that, that's a deeply personal decision uh, some people just don't like it some people think it's hard it doesn't resonate with them. Whatever the case is going to be, uh, jiu-jitsu is deeply personal. And for those that stay, it's a wild trip. And for those that go, uh, they may have missed out on something, but it's again, it's a deeply personal decision. So uh, there can't be any judgments. You, know, mm. you always part as friends. If you decide to part, you know, someone doesn't want to train, okay, I get it. Although I'd love for everybody to train. Everybody needs it to some degree. Really, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. How do you explain it to someone who um, doesn't really understand it? Who just like, hey, you do that um, MMA thing or that, <laughs> that karate thing? <laughs> yeah, I, I can explain it to them. But uh, I'd have to know why they want to train first. So, like, for example, you wanted to do something difficult intentionally. Mm -hmm. So, for you, it's explaining... Like, this is like a, you know, common Rubik's Cube that's solving itself while you're trying to solve it. Uh, or, you know, some martial arts are like checkers, and this is like chess. Uh, I don't think it's a fair assessment. I think every martial art has their own difficulty. Uh, I believe that the jiu-jitsu uh, art is much more cerebral than it is physical, although it is a physical challenge as well. Therefore, uh, again, Explaining it to you would have been to the cerebral part, the troubleshooting part, the, you know, not necessarily like, yeah, you're going to go in there, take somebody down and choke them out. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have the desire to compete, then that's how I will explain it to you because that's how it will resonate with you. If you want to defend yourself, I'm not going to say that we're going to start doing inverted swinging leg thingies. <laughs> I'm going to say, look, this will teach you how to take somebody down and control them and deescalate the situation at every juncture that you get. So, again, it, it really boils down to why you want to train jiu-jitsu, which is, mm -hmm. again, the deeply personal decision. Yeah. And you're, and 
it's all based on self-defense at the end of the day, right? I mean, you're... 100%. The self-defense element should come first. Always, always, always. Uh, you, you have to protect your joints, your neck, uh, your positions, your postures. Every combat art is really defensive in nature. Uh, but jiu-jitsu is very, very important because things can break. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't want to run that risk of breaking things. So in training, you want to be aware of where your joint positioning is and your neck and things like that. And in the street, you don't want to give up a position where you're on the bottom and something can happen or somebody can kick you or whatever. You, you want to be able to de-escalate the situation on your terms, not on unpredictable terms. Mm-hmm. No, I hear that. That's what's up. Yeah, no, I mean, for me, jiu-jitsu has been, when I explain it to someone, has been changing all the time. Mm-hmm. The explanation has been changing as my journey through it. You know, now recently I've just been you know, um, dumbing it down and just saying, it's like, what we do is we fold laundry, but with people in them. <laughs> <laughs> we fold clothes with people in them, okay? Just yeah. to simplify it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that, uh, that ground thingy that we do, you know, yeah. involuntary yoga. <laughs> <laughs> involuntary <laughs> yoga, exactly. Is there any other thing that you um, do other than um, jiu-jitsu? I mean, like, as far as, like, I don't know, training or anything like that? I used to weight train a lot, uh, probably out of vanity more so. Okay. Uh, I liked being quote unquote big. Yeah. But I felt that it wasn't really helping my jujitsu. So now all I do is study jujitsu, watch tape, footage, uh, read. Um, and I just spend my life thinking about how I can bring something back to the school or better for the school, better for the student. And how I can be a better person for my students, for my wife, for my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really all I do nowadays. I'm pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> who are you? Um, like, what videos are you watching nowadays? What are you? Um, who are you listen, listening to? Or as far as like jujitsu with that you're studying right now? Uh, the studying, I kind of I'm all over the place. Okay. Uh, there's. Uh, competitor that I really, really appreciate watching. His name is Lachlan Giles, or Giles, I probably mispronounced it. The Australian guy, right? Yeah, the Australian guy. Really good, really technical, skillful jiu-jitsu. It's really pretty. Um, I I do watch John Danaher stuff. He's like the Yoda of (laughs) jiu-jitsu. Very deep stuff, too, but very applicable. And uh, with being training after 15 years, I can kind of watch anyone and try to glean something uh, uh there's also croiler gracie uh who who i've had seminars here with uh, yeah, he's awesome you were here yeah 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 we went to a seminar of his and we went down to pennsylvania yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so a lot a lot of the stuff that he does and he's taught in our seminars here uh, i've implemented into my game still working on it uh, but yeah there's a, a lot of instructors andre galvao is another one uh I do watch Gordon Ryan stuff. Uh, he's, I mean, pound for pound, probably the best no-gi grappler in the world. And uh, he's what? an excellent teacher. Why has he been able to dominate so much? I've seen him just like... And then he has that cockiness. I think that's from youth, right? I would imagine. Or is it a marketing ploy? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I tend to be very reserved. So I, I don't understand uh, what you would call youthful cockiness. Uh, yeah. But then again, I'm also 45 years old. Yeah. So I carry myself a little bit differently. He is young. So 
there's probably a financial incentive there. Mm-hmm. But when I look at him, uh, I will look at his teaching style, which is really good, mm-hmm. really, really good. And as a competitor, I watch him how he uses everything that he does systematically. And he's, it, it seems like his IQ for the sport is amazing. It does. So, I mean, hey, you're always going to have one guy at the top. And he's it he's right now, winner, yeah. you know, outside of, you know, Andre Galbao being the other one on the top. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, subjectiveness too mm-hmm. when you're looking at people who are competing and who you like and who you don't like. I just kind of try to glean a little bit of knowledge from everybody that I see. Yes. Now he's dominating strictly on the no-gi circuit though, right? Or yeah. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's a no-gi grappler. Uh, again, and that's possibly why he's so good because he specializes in no gi. Yeah. Uh, once you start incorporating the gi, the gi has other nuances that no gi may not have. Mm-hmm. And therefore, maybe the game becomes more complex if that's what you want to call it. Or maybe the competitions are just a little bit different. So being a specialist in no gi, of course, is going to make you really good at no gi. Yeah, yeah. True, true. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think he's amazing, and but you get away with a lot of things with no gi, don't you? Mm, yes, or, or not on his level. I don't think at his level now. His level, you don't. No, you you can't just like slip a lock. You yeah. know that is that is there are levels to this art. So you have your average guy, whatever rank you want to call it. Then you have your competitor. Then you have your truly elite guys. You know, he sits at the cream of the crop. So his his jujitsu is just that good. Yeah. And just just there's levels to this. Now, is it just I think he trains that much or is it there's some sort of prodigy like talent, you know, innate talent that he has or I don't know. Just trying to figure it out. How do you get to that level? Is it just working hard and training or just being at the right place with like people like Donaher and I mean like how how do you just surpass everyone do you or do you I know you were into basketball as well Mm -hmm. or do you become obsessive like Jordan was I think that's what it is you have to have the alignment of the right people around you you have to have your personal motivation discipline obsession whatever you want to call it and uh and some physical talent that will allow you to achieve those goals. I mean, we're all built differently. We're all uh, think differently. We all interact differently. So at the end of the day, you have to have that innate desire to be a champion. Mm-hmm. You have to have the innate ability to be able to do so and surround it with the right people. Now, the right people, it could be a subjective thing as well. Because one atmosphere for one person at a gym could be completely off-putting for another person. Mm-hmm. So in his case, he was very fortunate to find the crew that he has. Yeah. And he's now, uh, he's, get, he's got the support from his team and, and, and all these things. So I think all those things had to line up very well for him before uh, he could be who he is. Yeah. And, and the same for any other sport. You, you, you can see people play basketball and they're a good practice player. And then you see a good game player. And then you see guys that can make it into 
uh, junior colleges, community colleges, and, and small colleges, and then you got the big colleges, then you got the pros. And even at the pros, you have your developmental leagues, you have your European leagues. So it could be, there's many venues, but ultimately speaking, to get to the NBA, for example, mm-hmm. you'd have to be obsessive about your game. It's putting work from the foundation up. Have to be obsessive. Uh, have to be. Yeah. Any sport, I think so. Shit. Oh, man, I wish I would have found this a lot earlier. <laughs> but I don't think I would have been ready. Then why not? I was in a different place. Ah, there you go. Yeah, I was in a different place. But now I'm in a good place, and let's see where we go with this. Well, that's exactly what it is. Like, do you appreciate it now? Hell yeah. Yeah, see, there you go. Hell yeah. I say the same thing. Yeah. Maybe at 17, I wouldn't be sitting here with you. No. This podcast and training with you and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I wouldn't either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, definitely, definitely. What else? I wanted to ask you, actually. School's looking great. Oh, thanks. Freaking surviving here. That's so freaking cool. Um, everyone's coming in. It's coming with a positive attitude and a desire to learn and grow and everything. And a lot of the, a lot of the guys in our school are probably going to listen to this. I hope so. So, <laughs> so as, a, as a help to them and as a – can you break down to us – what do you expect from us as far as like when you're a white belt, when you're a blue belt, when you're a purple belt? And I think we have what, two brown belts. How many? We have two brown. Two brown belts. What do you expect from us in order to grow in our certain belt level? Okay. Uh, are you looking for a skill Based response or an overall response? Overall response. Okay. Because this kind of like goes for everyone. Gotcha. So when people are like training and they're, they have now like an idea of what they should focus on. It's like, I know white belts, you know, some white belts are in here and they're just like, oh, I didn't get a submission today. Mm-hmm. I know you're probably not looking for them to get a submission right away if they have other things to work on. Correct. What are those other things? Okay. So as a white belt, I look at the perspective of foundational skills and movement. Uh, Also recognition of positions. So knowing how to defend yourself when you're mounted, how to hold the mount, defend yourself from side control, how you can hold side control, and its variants. Uh, The back mount, the guard, all those positions, I look at how skillfully you can move. So within the first couple stripes, let's say two or three stripes, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about so much how many submissions you get because submissions have their own nuances. Uh, I want an overall fundamentally sound picture of the positions so that you can recognize them in a role. And uh, once you get to your maybe third to fourth stripe, then I worry more about, well, can he start or she start applying uh, submission holds and joint locks. And even if it's, if it's one or two, let's say uh, an Americana mm-hmm. and an arm triangle choke, something very simple uh, in concept, can they apply it skillfully? Okay. Uh, at blue belt, that's when I really start looking at, can this person put together, put together a game where a positional control or a transitional control can lead into a submission. Mm. And then that blue is when I really want you to focus more on submission holds and understanding 
the guiding principles of the submission hold, whether it's a joint lock, leg lock. Uh, you know, some people might say, well, teach them at white belt. We do teach them at white belt. Yeah. But the emphasis isn't there because there's a lot of movement nuances that have to take place before the submission hold can actually be effective. At Blue, I feel that the movement nuances are more ingrained than not. Mm-hmm. So that allows you to start really experimenting with holds and locks. Uh, the control aspect. The control and to the finish to the, p- the potential break. Yeah. Or as we would do in uh, training would be the tap. Yeah. At Purple, that's where I kind of let you go. Mm. Because by then you have fundamental movement controls, uh, transitional controls, pinning mechanisms, uh, an outline of your uh, submission holds, preferred methods, and so on. So at Purple, I kind of let you go and start developing your own game. So you have the framework at Blue, and the actual uh, building of your game is at Purple, where you're really using your uh, preferred techniques to make something happen. And you become dangerous enough to tap a black belt should the black belt let it go that far mm-hmm. or if you can catch them off guard i mean ultimately this is still a a, a game of uh simulated war or simulated combat you can surprise anybody at any given time yeah right once you get to the brown belt level that's where i expect you to be able to know what your preferences are and those things are practically unconscious you know how to get to where you want to be at any given point in time. And that's where you can refine your game by either whittling away at the extra movements that are reco- that, that you've had into something more streamlined, something more efficient, or you add to your knowledge base in said position. So let's say for an omoplata, the shoulder lock with the legs, you have one finish that you can get to. Well, maybe you add two other entries into that finish and you refine them really, really sharp. Mm. And that's kind of at the black belt level. Uh, I question you less. So uh, like between the white and blue belt levels, I'm, I'm hovering constantly over you. Once you become a purple belt, I'll ask you why you're doing things. Yeah. Uh, As a brown belt, I'll ask you, well, you did that, but why didn't you do that instead? Okay. Right. And then by the time you're a black belt, I generally want to be able to say, can you teach me that? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Teacher becomes a student to a certain degree. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> that's, that's why jiu-jitsu is so trippy. Because the teacher can become the student. And if the teacher cannot become the student, then the growth stops. That's where it stops. When the teacher believes they know everything or something? Yeah, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Like once you think you know it all, you don't. It stops. But if you can ask a black belt, hey, can you teach me that? That's not part of my game. Can you show me that? doesn't matter that you brought them up to black belt, but they may have an insight in a position that you haven't been able to figure out. They can say something, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, hey, man, that's great. And that's a feather in the cap for both of you because for me, the black belt is a symbol of service. It's the symbol of giving. It's not the symbol of beating up on your training partners at will. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And what comes after black belt? For these people that <laughs> just that's usually the the other question I know a lot of people ask is like, all right, so black belt, so is that it? Uh yes and no. So there are ranks such as the coral belt, then you've got the 
red and white belt, which is the candy cane belt. And then you've got your red belt. And I mean, you're always going to be a black belt, but it, it will change at degrees, different, differing degrees. And, uh, once, once you get to that level, I mean, whew, there's, there's so much skill, so much efficiency and so much knowledge that we could just aspire to do. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what it's happens. Very few to people on those levels, right? Um, more than you would think actually. At this point. At this point, yeah. yeah. Jiu-Jitsu has grown, so there's more than you would think. Because I remember you telling us a story about um, when you went on your um, honeymoon <laughs> in Costa Rica. Yeah. And you were, what, a brown belt or a purple? Purple. I got my purple the week before I got married. Can you tell that story? Oh, <laughs> man, that was wild. So, uh... I don't want to tell the punchline. I would rather <laughs> you say it. <laughs> well, which one? There's so many jokes about this one. I mean, the fact about... Your, your level. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when it came to ranking. Yeah. So uh, um, I arrive at the uh, hotel. Costa Rica. In Costa Rica. Where your honeymoon, I'm, right? Yeah, it was my honeymoon and, uh, you know, young married couple. And uh, we get there and I'm wearing a tap out shirt. So eventually, this one tap out was still like a brand. Yeah. You know, not, <laughs> not a mainstream brand. It was still kind of like, oh, you're wearing that. You must grapple kind of deal. Yes. And uh, they asked me, do you train? I was like, yeah, you know, I train. Whoa, what belt are you? Oh, I'm a purple belt. Oh, man, you're a purple belt? Yeah. Oh, we only got two blue belts in the island. You're like the highest belt in the island. I'm like, really? That's pretty cool. What they didn't know is I just got my purple belt. So I was like a five-stripe white belt. <laughs> a blue belt, rather. <laughs> you know, I was a five-stripe blue, you know, but just they heard the word purple, and all of a sudden it was like, wow. You know. But that's amazing. That's amazing. You would go to a country and it's like a purple belt's hard to find. And I hear those stories all the time from the, like the veterans and guys who've been around from the very beginning. And they're just like, dude, they, it wasn't easy to find those techniques the way it is now on YouTube. Oh you man. Just so many techniques. People are just giving away techniques. Well, you got that. Uh, I know when I started, like I thought a black belt was like a unicorn. I thought, oh, only my instructor is a black belt because he's been around for so long and he's been doing such crazy things. And um, so I never thought I'd even get to black. Really? I don't even know if I wanted to get to black originally. Really? Yeah, it's crazy because the reason I started jujitsu was because I wanted to add to my tool set in terms of self-defense. Mm. So my mindset wasn't on just a belt ranking. But then when I started training, I was like, oh, I'm never going to see that. That This has got to be something crazy. And when I went from white to blue, I was like, okay, cool. So now, you know, I'm a badass. Cool. Against a regular person. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at blue, that's where I started taking it really seriously. And when I got my purple, I was like, whoa, I'm in the middle now. This yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, that's when I opened my academy too. Uh, I was a young purple belt under the auspices of my, my black belt instructor still mentoring me. And, um, you started your, your school at, at a purple belt at a purple level? belt level. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was kind of selfish. Uh, I was training personal training cause that's originally what, that's why we were diesel. So mm, we were weightlifting that's and the dumbbell. That was the dumbbell. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, so, uh, the, the original logo was, uh, kind of what my personal training philosophy was, which was, the dumbbell, which represented the strength or the barbell. Then you had the forward-looking arrow that the barbell, right, the yeah. dumbbell weights created. And that was for progress. 
right? You're always moving forward. And then the D was shaped as a gear. Synergy. Yes, that's Work right. together. Ah. You know, because one gear by itself can do nothing. Put two gears working together, they do something. Wow, okay. Right? Cool. And uh, so I was doing personal training and sports development and coaching and things like that. And then I got selfish. I wanted to start training more because I wasn't training as much as I wanted to. I wasn't at my school as much, so I bought some mats. So you, you were still going to your school and then doing your own training, or you weren't unable to go to your school, and so you're just like, I'm just going to start? Both. Both. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so you were like, these, you were like this kid was like, yeah, homework is not enough. Um, teacher, can I get Can I have homework? extra credit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And then in, you now know, you're allowed started. to start train. I mean, you're allowed to teach at Purple Belt, right? Correct. I would imagine then. Sure. Sure. Uh, again, because I was under my own instructor, uh, he kind of gave me the the kick in the pants that I needed. What do you mean? Because I told him, I said, oh, I don't know, Mike. I don't know much about business, and you know, I just want to like start training jujitsu a little more and blah blah blah. He said, Why don't you do it? I go, Well, uh, what if I fail? He was like, What if you fail? Who cares? It's like, well, you know, I mean, you know, failure is such a bad thing, right? We perceive failure to be so bad. He said to me, and this was actually the overall business model as well. He said, so what? You fail, you call bankruptcy, and you get crappy credit for seven years, and then you go do something else. I was like, wow. Thanks for putting it into perspective. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not committed to this, but I'm committed to this. So if I fail, I fail. If I do well, the sky's the limit. So Mike really pushed me and uh, just with that little conversation. And uh, then when I decided to open up uh, a little bit of a jiu-jitsu program, it was like more like a club thing. Yeah. So like we just got together, we rolled around, we trained. But somewhere along the line, it got serious. Yeah. And that, that allowed us to grow. Yeah. It became a profit center as far as a business, but it allowed the school to grow. And the next thing I knew, the jiu-jitsu program overtook all my personal training pro, uh, clients and the program and all that stuff. I think that's when I started, towards the end. Towards the you end of that. You had like one or two clients. I was down to one or two clients. Yeah. Uh, part and parcel had to do with my children. You know, I had a, my son already born and my, my daughter was on the way. And once my daughter was born, I really did not have the time to be able to dedicate an hour because uh, my wife had to work too. So I had to make a decision. And I took the leap of faith mm. and I just canceled all my personal training, uh, pulled myself out of that industry and went all in on jujitsu. Yeah. So that was oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you, um, I wanted to ask you cause I had never got a chance to meet him. Mike. Oh man. Mike. Who was Mike? Oh, man. Uh, who was Mike? Obviously played a big role in your life. Who was Mike? Mike, Mike, Mike. He he was the man. That's all I can say. He was um, eclectic. That's mm. the word I would use. Because a savage jiu-jitsu guy on the mat, right? Mm -hmm. a, he was a kite surfer. Fast cars. Acting. Uh... He, what else did he do? Fast cars, acting, singing, oh, right? He was on Wall Street and left Wall Street to train jujitsu. You know, like, 
eclectic and and an amazing, amazing, amazing guy. And the guy that you look at in a room like, oh, that man, I could throw that guy around. He'd be the one to tie you up in any way he wanted to at any given point. Really? Tough as nails. And uh, yeah, man, like I started out as a student. You had a school in? I started in Bloomfield. Okay. Uh, and then he moved to Montclair. He, he had, his school had jumped around a few places. He was in Montclair, then Bloomfield, Montclair. Um, and that's where I started training. And when he moved to uh, Montclair from Bloomfield, uh, I was like in my mid-blues, just about. And, uh, you know, I, I had a closer relationship with him because mm-hmm. I was starting to teach and he was starting to mentor me. So it was more like the mentor-mentee type of relationship. And uh, the more we got into it, like when I was a brown belt, it was more of a friend. I mean, we've always been friends, but like we got, we progressively got closer. So at that point, you know, uh, I would have said he was a friend already. Yeah. Really, I mean, amazing. And um, by the time I was a black belt, like I would just say he was everything. He was like that father figure in my jujitsu journey that I needed. And without him, a lot of this stuff would not have come to fruition. Yeah. So he was a driving force behind what I've done. He, he gave you your black belt? Yes. I went from white to black with him. Wow. Yeah. Trippy. <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> How was it the day that he gave you your black belt, man? Oh, dude. Forget about the day I got it. I, I kind of knew I was going to get it. You knew already? Yeah, because he called me. He's like, hey, man, you coming to the tournament? I'm like, yeah, Mike. I'll be there. Why wouldn't I be? He's like, well, I'm going to get you a black belt. He just told you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Like, why make it a surprise, right? He's just like, dude, I, I'm giving you a fucking black belt. <laughs> He's like, I'm giving you a black belt. And I dropped to my knees. I remember I was on my cell phone. I, I don't remember what brand it was. Who cares? But I dropped to my knees and I was like celebrating. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then I was like, okay, cool, bike. I'll be there. Thank you so much. You know, do I need to bring anything? Do I need to bring my gi? Blah, blah. He's like, just, just don't worry about it. Like, that's how he was. He was so chill. And uh, usually it's like a surprise as a ceremony or yeah, it was a ceremony or, you know, you you do something where you get people together. Like he just basically threw it at me. (laughs) But that week prior, I was like, yeah, I'm getting my black belt. I kept my mouth shut. And as soon as I hung up the phone, I was like, damn, I got to work on my triangle defenses. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I can't be a black belt with my triangle defenses the way they are right now. Like, yeah. You know, instead of like celebrating, like, hey, man, I got to the, to, I became a unicorn. I was like, I suck. I got to fix this before I get that. So I spent the entire week getting choked by my friends. <laughs> and sometimes I'd, you know, tap. And sometimes I was able to escape. And I, I was walking around with a busted blood vessel in my eye. Wow. Yeah, that's how deep I went into things. Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah, you I know, know what you mean. <laughs> Before you get promoted or when you get promoted, you're in this comfort zone. And then when you get the the promotion, you're like, that realization is like, oh, wait, they're not going to go soft on me anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you rip that scab off and then under that scab, there's this bigger target. And you're like, like whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's yeah, awesome, man. man. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have, I have a lot of friends still. Um, 
through jujitsu mm-hmm. uh, contacts and things like that. So it's 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 really cool. And, you know, Mike Mike facilitated a lot of that, and that was just by teaching me jujitsu and kind of giving me again that driving force, that influence to just go do something. What was it again? He was um like one of the original. He was like a black belt, one of the first black. What was it? You like the Dirty Dozen? No, he wasn't Dirty Dozen. No. Um, what do you mean by Dirty Dozen? So Dirty Dozen, there's like uh, 12, 12 guys uh, that got their black belts. The first 12 is really it. And no, he wasn't part of that generation. But um, first 12 that got their black belts in the States, in New Jersey? Where? No, in, like overall in the United States. United States. Yeah. Uh, they, the original 12, he wasn't part of that generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was younger than that. So, uh, you know, uh, as, as far as uh, Black Belt goes, his, uh, his professor was uh, Lou Ventiloro, and they were under Hoyler Gracie, David, and Eve at the time. Okay. So he got it under, like, Lou, Dave, and, and then Hoyler. He, he got his Black Belt, if I remember correctly, it was 2003. He took third in the world in Brazil. Wow. And the following day, he got belted. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Wish I would have met him. <laughs> Wish you were still here with us, man. Yeah, man. You know, that, yeah, I, I'd be remiss in saying that, you know, we lost a shining star of jiu-jitsu. Uh, it's been five years now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy year, man. Yeah. It's been a crazy year. Luckily, we're still here. We're still here training. Um, I don't know. What do you think 2021 is going to give us, man? Like... Hopefully we'll be done with this COVID drama <laughs> that's been <laughs> drama. Yeah. Or just nonsense and just people just don't know how to behave. I don't know. You know what are your thoughts? My thoughts on on COVID and I, I think it's really part and parcel of a larger problem. Uh I went to school for political science. Mm. So this whole thing triggered that part of my brain all over again, which I thought was laying dormant for a while. Because all I really did was jujitsu. And, uh, you know, the, the whole social slash political slash uh, world effect that this crisis has had has really made me look at things differently. Mm. And um, I, I think part part of it is that there is something that we did not know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel another part was a lot of it was overblown. Mm-hmm. And you can't waste a good crisis. Politics. That's right? true. So the political effect was uh, something that that really, I think, messed it all up when you start playing politics uh, and, and you let politics drive policy rather than common sense, if you will. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And uh, it, it's just, he couldn't waste a good crisis and no, it was not wasted. It wasn't. No. And then crises stacking on crises. So when you had uh, political unrest and you had protesting and things like that, like, so now we're dealing with a virus. We're dealing with protests. We're dealing with, you know, so many other things, geopolitical climate, you know, it's just, we got smashed in 2020. There was so much, so much, and there was no pressure relief valve either. 
Yeah. You know, because everywhere you turned, you were facing one crisis, another crisis, another crisis. And you, you know, you, social media, that's why I'm off of it. Um, you, you looked at social media and you were getting blasted with things. And then it's an election year. So now you have, again, internal or domestic politics that are playing a part in everything that's going on. Crazy. Crazy times. Yeah, yeah. I really thought 2020 was going to be something amazing. And to a certain degree, it was. I mean, looking at the silver lining of things, and, and I mean, I remember it was just like in March and April was that time where we just kind of like, you know, I remember opening up the windows and it was just like wilderness was going rampant because mm-hmm. there was nobody out there. And Correct. There was some peace, but then I don't know. Then eventually it just, the anxiety levels and, you know, the uncertainty of things. Sure. People kind of like, I guess, desperate and not knowing how to act. And I don't know. Let's hope 2021, we learn from it. And usually what they say is like after pandemics, like, you know, there's a shift in consciousness. Mm -hmm. Hopefully for the best. I tend to be positive. Yeah. Like, you believe there's positivity and uh, you'd agree that there's got to be something positive that comes from it. I hope. Yes, I have to. Right? It's not obvious. No. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we, we could agree that, for example, being locked down, what did it do for you in terms of your attitude? For me, as far as my attitude, nothing. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. As far as for me, for my attitude, I think I'm the same person. Okay, cool. You know? What happened when you got out of lockdown and you were able to do jujitsu again? Oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I told you, I mean, I got a chance to train in Colombia and, mm-hmm. you know, and when things got really, you know, tough, I saw... I saw, you know, the instructor where I was, he, he was breaking down, mm-hmm. you know, because he was just like, guys. Because once they were able to come back to class, you know, they were had to wear masks and they had a social distance, so they couldn't even touch each other. That's right. They had to just drill solo or with dummies. Right. And he kept emphasizing to guys, he was like, guys, come back. Don't forget the mats. We at least got the mats. Mm-hmm. So me seeing him and then knowing that I'm over here actually rolling with people, actually sparring and, and you know, having a training partner to help me, I was like super, super grateful. Right. So it did do something for you. Yeah, it did give me yeah. a lot of gratitude. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the act of the quarantine or lockdown didn't, really change your attitude until that restriction was lifted. And then you're like, man, ah, oh, life, I can appreciate this again. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what 2020 is going to bring into 2021. You know, uh, I know that I was able to become a better father because mm. I had my little rugrats around me all the time. And I'm still working on it, you know, but I was able to be a better husband because I was around my wife a lot more frequently than I usually am. Yeah. So that, that part, it, it forced growth on me at my home front. And the jujitsu part grew, but just differently. 
Yeah. You know? But again, you look back, 2020 was so wild, but I'm thankful that I, I came through unscathed. Mm-hmm. And I'm appreciative that my family's still around me, healthy. I'm very appreciative that my crew is training with me again. Yeah. You know? Not going to lie, it was scary. Three months, no revenue. You know, what business can survive? Just a lot of schools that are closed down in exactly. California, man. Everything's closing down or people are moving out of state. Yeah. You know, just to be able to have the opportunity to work. So I'm grateful that I can sit here with you doing a podcast, you know, uh, after a training session where we've been training and we've been doing it safely. Mm-hmm. And with contingencies, but ultimately as normal as we can be, considering the climate. Exactly. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. So let me. Um. Uh. What are your What are your plans now? Like, what's the end game here? What's the goal here for Velez Jiu Jitsu? And where do you see yourself the next five years? Or like, where do we take in this? all right let's see uh jujitsu in five years taking over the world Uh, just continuing giving people a place to train where they can do what it is they want to do so if you want to be a competitor let's do it you want to be a hobbyist let's do it you want to lose some weight let's do it you know just help people along their journey which is an often overused word in jujitsu by the way the journey? Journey. Oh, everything's really? a journey. Yeah. <laughs> journey, journey, I use it journey. it all the time. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It, it's so... Re- but if you think about it, jiu-jitsu is a journey. It, it's about the beginning at white belt, uh, you know, and all the mile markers along the way. It's the process. It's not just the result. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? So in five years, my goal is to be doing the same thing in five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ask me my 10-year goal, yeah. it's the same goal. You know, I mean, do I might want to compete? Maybe. I don't know. Mm. You know, I don't have any quote unquote personal goals like that for myself right now, but that Mm -hmm. could change. It's always fluid. Yeah. Uh, But just getting people to the level that they want to be in jujitsu and positively impact their life as I'm here. So whatever that may be, you know, maybe just an ear to listen to, uh, shoulder to cry on you know a guy who's going to choke you from behind i don't know yeah but i i just want to be that guy that can provide something of value and that's my end game nice that's my end game for sure um what's yours same as yours man (laughs) (laughs) just keep on training and just going for the ride right and just seeing what comes across one of the biggest lessons i've learned from jujitsu is the incremental steps and I never really see my progression until the new person comes into class. Mm -hmm. And then that allows me to realize to like stop and look behind me and look at all the steps that I've made. Right. That's why I guess I guess to call it the journey or the trip or the walkway (laughs) or whatever. The journey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, Oh wow. You don't know this. Oh, I also didn't know that. Right. And now I know it because right. I don't see the progress as far as like with my, with my training partners. Cause they're growing as well. Correct. They're coming with me. They're walking with me. So it's not till the new guy. So that's why 
I don't know if you noticed, but whenever there's a new person, I really make an effort to be like welcoming because mm-hmm. I know that feeling. I still remember that feeling right. of like the butterflies in your stomach. It's like, <sighs> right? You know, that's what I said. It's got to be a certain kind of individual come in there and knowing that you're going to be at the bottom of the totem pole. Mm-hmm. You're going to eat shit for the beginning <laughs> parts. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And being okay with that. Right. You know, because your ego is going to be tested. And I, sometimes I love seeing a new person come in and then they roll and then we just, and then be like, all right, let's see what you're made of. Let's see if you're going to be the person who's going to get butt hurt <laughs> and leave or you're, you're going to be the kind of person that's going to be like, I need to learn this. Well, here's my question. When somebody comes in here never having trained jiu-jitsu, compare them to somebody who's trained elsewhere. And I'm not knocking other schools. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about personal behavior or personal preference. How do you see the new, the newbie as in comparison to somebody who's trained before? Mm. Well... We have a couple guys, one, I won't say no names, but a couple guys have just come up to me like, oh my God, is it like this? <laughs> Meaning, what do you mean? It's like, everyone's nice, um, learning, it's, we're not grinding, we're not, you know, like when they roll with me, I, like, I try to be technical and I, I'll put them in uncompromised position, but I'll, I'll stop and be like, all right, work your way out of this. Don't mm-hmm. just, just figure it out here and there. I'm giving you the option to do it. And they're like, this is amazing. They're like, this is amazing. This is not just grinding, grinding, grinding. We've had people actually that left as well and come back. Correct. And they'd be like, no, over there, they're just yanking. They're just yanking, pushing. It's this bravado. And I heard them um, actually, I heard um, bringing them up again, Donaher, mm-hmm. say something that was pretty interesting because everyone has this idea that jiu-jitsu makes you a better person. He says that it's not that jiu-jitsu makes you a better person, just it highlights more who you are. So if you were an asshole before, just become a bigger asshole. If you're a cool person, chill person, it just makes you even cooler person. 150%. It just brings that part of you, you know, on a higher level. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, it, it doesn't make you anything. Yeah. You know, you are already your own person coming in. Uh when you do jujitsu and you're an asshole, you're just going to be an asshole with skill. Yeah. Right. Depending on how far you go, you know, sometimes that, that ego or that, that personality doesn't last very long and they quit and they go away. Maybe they come back. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But, uh, it's been my experience after 15 years of training, 11 years of being a business owner that there are people that come in, and whatever jujitsu does, it brings out and it highlights it. Just like Danaher said, no better way of saying it. Uh, I see people who were quiet actually become outgoing. Mm-hmm. I've seen people who are really aggressive actually calm down. I've seen people not change at all or get to a certain point in their personal and emotional growth that they don't change. And they substitute technical acumen for physical or they're, they're protecting themselves from whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They, they rely on just the technique and, and for them, the win is on the mat. 
but they're not winning at themselves. Mm. You know, and those are the most difficult ones. Sadly, those are the ones that affect me the most because the actual message message of jujitsu hadn't gotten through. And sometimes they leave, sometimes they stay, sometimes they change. But jujitsu will always bring up what's inside. Yeah. So being a cool person allows you to be a cool jujitsu guy. Yeah. You know, jujitsu doesn't, there is no douchebag filter in jujitsu. It's going to bring up what's inside. And there are plenty of cases where you've got black belts and high profile black belts doing very, very shady things or illegal things. So, you know, you can't put somebody on a pedestal because of a rank, mm. you know, because ultimately we're still human. Yeah. So whatever we have inside of us is going to shine through. Yeah. You just, was just the vehicle at which some people use it. Well said, you know, well said. And, um, we're at 50 minutes. Mm. You have any questions for me or should we just end it here? I mean, let me know. Well, let's see. Questions, questions, questions. So we talked about like your five-year goal. Yeah. Uh, you ever see yourself as a black belt one day? I don't. I don't know. I don't think about it. <laughs> I don't think about it. Why not? I. I'm trying very hard to be present. Mm-hmm. And I think the black belt thing, if I start thinking about that, right? I think that's just like somewhere down the road that it's a lot to accomplish before we get there. Cool. You know what I mean? I like that answer. I like being here right now. That Today is the, is the most important day. And what was the only easy day? The only easy day? Yeah. I don't know. Yesterday. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's over. That day's over. Yeah. That's the easiest day because today has so many other challenges. So, yeah, man. Like, but here's where I come through with things. Mm. I'm not teaching a blue belt today. I'm teaching a future black belt. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. So, <laughs> stay present. I will. But, but my job is to get you to black belt. Yes. You know, not tell you when you're going to get it. <laughs> no, like Mike. Hey, yo, uh, come by this evening. I got your black belt for you. Say, <laughs> yeah, here. Let me. Ah, here it is. Oh, geez. Now what? Yeah, yeah. Nah, this is man. Really having a great time here. This is, and I see everything just getting better and better. And the people we have here are awesome. And seeing these big guys that are white belts starting not trying to use their muscle, mm-hmm. trying to use the technique. And I, I respect that. You know, if you guys are listening. Much respect for that. Oh, for sure, man. Um, you know, the high rank guys we have in here, amazing, like, role models, cool people, funny as hell, and it's a great place to be. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you, man. That that honors me and humbles me uh, to hear you say that. Yeah. Uh, specifically. I brought my stepson in. He mm-hmm. brought his friend, his cousin in. Can't wait for my grandson to be of age to start training. There we go. Jennifer says she's going to see if we should come back and do a couple of drill sessions. <laughs> she was here. She was here. Yeah, so <laughs> let's do this. I'm trying to remember. When she was here, I think we were learning guillotines of some sort. Because it was a while back when we were still in Rawway. Yeah. 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 I don't remember what it was, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, you know, we have a different academy 
uh, more efficient layout. Yeah. So I, I think that's also helping. Yeah. Parking lot that does help. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Uh, but as far as uh, like what drives what drives you though in jujitsu uh, aside from being present, it, like that's what most people want to find out. Like you're a blue. What drives you as a blue belt now? What drives me as a blue belt? Mm-hmm. Things are starting to open up. I'm starting to see things I didn't see before. Mm. Like we just went through um, leg lock December. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I don't get all the leg lock game, but okay, I now understand like at least two or three positions, the entries into that position, what could lead into another mm-hmm. position from that. And just falling into it, you know, and, and, and not be so scared of it. Mm, so yes. now I could defend it a little bit better. So I, I'm, what I love about jiu-jitsu, and it's, I've been doing it already, I guess, for three or four years or something, and, and I still, every time I come in here, thank you because you always give us those, those light bulb moments. Bing! Like light bulb <laughs> lights up. It's like, oh, wow, really? It's right there. And everything's starting to kind of come together. And I also starting to see my style formulate. Mm. Creating a style. That's, there you go. And I like that. And that's it. It's a deep expression of who you really are. Yes. That's the art part of jujitsu. Yes. Is we could have a cookie cutter dojo where everybody does the same thing. Or we can have everybody uh, to sound all frou-frou-y, drinking from the same fountain, mm-hmm. but experiencing a different taste, you know, or flavor. Yeah. And that, that's the cool thing about our school is that we all kind of have similar movements, but our preferences are so different mm-hmm. that you're always dealing with somebody else. You yeah. can't predict what you're getting, and that's the fun part. The troubleshooting, the puzzle. Yeah. Bruce Lee once said, um, the hardest thing is to honestly express yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's... I see it. You know, I see people's certain style and I approach a, a person certain kind of way. They get the advantage uh, one way. Then eventually I figure out how to defend that way. And then they got to go a different direction now or try something different. And they get better. Mm-hmm. I get better. We all grow. And it's so awesome. Well, it, it follows that, that uh, proverb. I believe it's a Native American proverb. If you want to go far, go alone. Uh, go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm. And and I think it's been attributed to uh, it's it's an also an African proverb. I I don't recall. I've seen it attributed multiple ways. But that's what, exactly what it is. You can go by yourself, and you will go super fast because mm-hmm. there's no weight behind you, nobody to drag you down. But you won't go that far. Yeah. You know. And as as you said, you know, you see the guys that you're training and. They're doing something. You're, so you rely on your training partner to go far. Yeah. Now, can you say we can go far faster? Sure. That's different, though. But going far is the ultimate goal, right? Yeah. Longevity. Yeah. Uh, Chris Howder says uh, it's not who's good, but who's left. Oh. Mm. <laughs> That's so true. It's true, though. It's true. Because you could be the brightest star on the planet and then you stop jujitsu you're no longer left in the art you're you've taken your relevance out mm-hmm. no matter how good you were 
So it's not who's good, but who's left. Yes. I like that. Yeah, man. Well, thank you, man. Thank you for always um, helping, participating, and thank you for doing this with me. Oh, man, this was a pleasure. First podcast, by the way. Is it? Yeah. Oh, you're a freaking natural. Really? <laughs> no, nah, I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> you're a natural. Like I said, you're more than welcome. You should start your own podcast. <laughs> Some of you are those guys who are like, yo, start your own podcast. Well, I do this pretty much just as a collection of conversations with people that I've come across through my life who are interesting, who has, have inspired me, and just to have it in, this, in the ether, you know, just mm-hmm. throw out there in the sphere and hope, God forbid, nothing was to go wrong, but if we could always go back to it, look back. Correct. It's like what well, we were just talking about jujitsu. Like, we're here at this point. We'll sit down and do another podcast some other time. But we could we always have this. We always, we always look back yeah. and be like, damn, remember that? I remember when we talked about this and that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that was so deep. We're basically like stamping this moment in time. And uh, this was so cool. So cool. Again, Thank you. like Thank you. You know, I've never done this before. So And I and I'm gonna have conversations with all our teammates, so get ready. We're gonna reach out, but I wanted to start off with you. Add add the jujitsu element. It's called Rolling Cafetero and it's other my friends from the cafe and my friends from jiu-jitsu and so. Word. That's thank the, you. Totally, totally cool. Awesome. Awesome. I loved it. <laughs> loved it. Oh, I was knocked out. We uh, <laughs> now. Well, thank you again. Let me um, close this out with our music and thank you. Os. Os. <laughs> <laughs> that was dope. I, putting it out there. Man, that was so cool. Like, I was just a natural. What I also like about podcasting is, like, you know how sometimes we're just conversing in a regular conversation, everyone's just trying to chime in. Hey, hey. I started this podcast also, I didn't mention it, but the only reason was my daughter was just. Other things she criticized was like, you don't listen.